Aloha, thank you for pressing play. Welcome to the Eating Curve Balls for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Mahoy, and your biggest fan when it comes to hitting those curveballs that life, sports, or parenting can throw you right out of the park. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Aloha, podcast listeners. Thanks for being here. It's um, recording this actually on Thursday night. As usual, right after the program with Jen Starkey, as we're interviewing different people each week, 9 p.m. Eastern, I'm always super jazzed after that, super excited and pumped. We talked with Coach Kristen, who was a guest here on the podcast, episode 30, I believe. She's a confidence coach to elite athletes, talks about dealing with fear and developing confidence in female athletes, especially, and how sometimes things that we're used to hearing or you know things that male coaches or male mentors tend to to advise us on because it makes sense for them and it works for them doesn't always work for the female athlete and they're not the only ones let me just clarify this right now right male coaches whether they're fathers or not are not the only ones who are making mistakes or not don't really know everything that they could know about how to help female athletes develop confidence and and deal with the feel the fears that come up for them even for myself you know and a lot of other players that ended up being coaches we a lot of us were coached by male coaches and so a lot of times before we know how to do better all we're doing is regurgitating what they told us right what we learned from them and so we are even giving advice that may not be the most helpful we're trying to give out cues or you know say little things here and there to help someone pick themselves up and it's not always the most helpful so it's super interesting to have conversation with her on the program if you go to my page at facebook.com slash stacy not stacy facebook.com slash coach stacy you'll see the live video there that we just posted um if you're listening to this way later you may not see it <laughs> now that i'm thinking about that but we talked with coach Kristen. And um, you probably might be able to just go to videos and find it at stacymahoy.com, not stacymahoy.com, facebook.com slash coach Stacy. But if you're listening to this pretty much as it came out, right, so it's April 2018, um, you should be able to see it right there on the page. I shared the video there. So it's me, Coach Dan, Coach Kristen, and she's talking about these awesome things and how we can do better with helping female athletes with the fears that are going to come up as they go through this youth youth um, sports experience, as they get into competition, as they go further and further in whatever sport they're in to higher and higher levels, fear, doubt, all of that stuff is going to come up, right? They're going to feel nervous. They're going to feel, you know, have all these negative what ifs running through their heads. We've talked about that before and how as human beings, we almost naturally default to the negative what ifs, right? What if this doesn't go well? What if I fail? What if da 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 We hardly ever go, wow, what if I do this and it's the best ever? What if I do this and it ends up being, you know, making me famous? What if I do this and I, you know, get a better score or a better grade than I've ever gotten before? What if I do this and I actually ace this class? Like we hardly ever go there right we always go to worst case scenario 
And that's something that Coach Kristen talked about. And then she talked about how to kind of, you know, what to do with fear. So all of that was pretty cool. And then Coach Jen asked her, how do we as coaches, because one of the things she said was that if an athlete is able to just express what's on their mind and talk about that thing that's kind of weighing them down, sometimes that's enough to bring them a sigh of relief and release them to compete more freely on that day and you know and then when she was talking about what else you can do coach John was like well how do we get our players you know our athletes how would you go about getting an athlete to open up to you though how do you build that trust so that they're willing to talk to you and tell you what's on their mind because sometimes we can tell that something's going on that they're not confident that they're feeling worried stressed scared whatever and we ask them if they're okay and they're like yeah I'm fine and they don't tell us so how do we get them to open up and so she shared a really good tip on the program on that video which you can watch I wanted to add something to that today and that is that sometimes when we're talking about trust it's not just about being a safe place for someone to come and they know that you're not going to you know tell other people about what you share with them, right? Confidentiality is a big deal, especially when you're talking about teen athletes, teen girls, right? But even if you've never shared a secret that you weren't supposed to share of theirs, sometimes trust is broken when you share with them something that was a secret that you weren't supposed to share or something that wasn't yours to share with them and you shared it with them. Sometimes in an effort to kind of like make them feel like they're, you know, trusted, right? Oh, I trust you with this stuff that don't tell anybody, but, you know, da 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 And then on their end, right? And maybe they're not conscious of this, but it's like, wait, you weren't supposed to tell me that. Like, I'm not supposed to know about that. And you told me that. And that actually breaks down trust. Even if you've never shared their secrets, ever. Even if it's true that you've never broken their trust in that way, The fact that you shared something with them that they can tell really wasn't supposed to be shared, like it was supposed to be a secret, and it's cool that you trusted them with that, but at the same time, it's also breaking their trust because you shared something you weren't um, of, you know, you didn't have the privilege, you weren't supposed to be sharing. So um, I, I first heard about this concept when I was listening to Brene Brown talk about it on YouTube. It was a YouTube video. I believe she was being interviewed by Marie Forleo and she talked about the vault and how it's one thing to, when someone tells you something, you keep their stuff in the vault, but if you shared something with them that you weren't supposed to, that breaks trust too. So something to think about. And and sometimes like we do that because we're like, hey, look, you know, I'm trusting you with this, you know, so, but it just, it just doesn't go the way that we think that it will, it should. And then the other thing I was thinking about as we're talking last night about all these strategies for helping female athletes get through their fears, deal with their fears more effectively, right? Be able to perform despite their fears. I was thinking about, man, we could probably have an entire episode dedicated to parents because as we're here trying to help athletes navigate, effectively navigate their fear, I <laughs> I will be the first to admit that we as parents, or at least I as a parent, do not 
have not for sure in the past um, effectively navigated the fear that comes up within me about my child or about what they're going through or about what might happen for them. I think I'm a, I think I'm much better at it now, but I most certainly did not handle it well before. And part of it was because I didn't even really realize and notice how much of a factor it was. And so that's one thing Coach Kristen talked about was like, first of all, waking up and becoming aware that this thing is even here. Because a lot of the negative thoughts that we have are just so in there and such a part of like the natural default that we don't even realize that they're in there and they're having an effect. And so, you know, I think for me as a parent, that was a big part of it was that at first I wasn't even fully aware of how much fear was running the show. And then looking back, it was like, whoa, I really (laughs) did not navigate that very well or deal with it very well or take the steps to, um, to kind of not ease is not the word to kind of like just disengage and not let that be the thing that was driving so many of the decisions that I was making as a parent because there's so much like you think athletes minds go to worst case scenario parents we're our brains are like that our brains are so wired to think about the survival of our child, their success, right? And everything about their future that when we see threats, like our brain just instantly from zero to 60, not even 60, way beyond 60, right? In no time flat, we're going straight to the worst case scenario we could possibly imagine. And I think that us as parents, oftentimes we're not navigating that very well. So if you are a parent and you can relate to what I'm talking about, Go watch that video because all of the things that apply to athletes apply to us too. All of the strategies that Coach Kristen Kristen shared that athletes can use and coaches can use with athletes to help them through that and help them be their best, um, that all applies to us too. So I'm going to be taking notes. I'm going to listen back to it. I'm going to take notes and, you know, see how I can do even better. And she also touched upon how, like, when she was in college, she didn't look at training as... Like she looked at training as the her time in the pool because she was a swimmer time in the weight room that was her training didn't include nutrition didn't include the mental game and so you know she was saying that she wished when she was in college that she viewed it from a much broader perspective not just about the physical part of things so it's this idea of a more holistic approach to development of these athletes right or human beings actually because it's not just an athlete we're developing we're developing people right we're helping nurture their growth and development as human beings as full people not just as athletes not just as their arm not just as their legs so that they can run fast not just as their muscles so they can you know hit with power and stuff like that but we're ideally really nurturing and supporting the development of and growth of the entire human being so much more you know big picture approach to helping them become their best so I thought that was pretty cool that she touched upon that and I have some other notes here um oh and she just talked about the last thing that she she shared was super cool and it goes along with something that I heard earlier today which was cut out the cancer of negativity so if you've got negative stuff self-talk thoughts beliefs you know get that out 
write it out, tell a friend, whatever you have to do to get it out of your system so that it's not in there just eating away at you. So the last thing she kind of shared was along those lines too and she gave a tip on what to do about that. So those are just some super cool takeaways from our conversation and little things that I wanted to add. I'm also reading a new book. <laughs> I'm not even done with some of my other ones. I love reading books and I will jump from one book to another. What happens is that I'll start a book. I'll read to the point where like I feel like I've gotten a lot of really great nuggets out of it. And I'll stop so that I can really soak those in and then apply those. And I don't always go back to that book right away. Sometimes I just let it kind of like percolate you know and I really want to absorb that and then sometimes when I decide okay now I'm ready to take new stuff in it's a different book that popped up or you know so I go back and forth depending on what I'm feeling like diving into on any given day so the most recent book that I jumped into was Wayne Goldsmith's brand new book he just posted about it on Facebook last night and I saw it and I was like, I have to get this because he was like, I'm so sick of all these, you know, new leadership courses and everybody and their brother is doing a workshop or doing a, you know, conference or have a book or they're launching courses or whatever on leadership. And he's like, I'm so like, I'm going to have to do a book about how to lead without leading because it's turned into leadership has turned into all these things that it's really not is what he was kind of trying to say with all these courses and stuff. So his book is called Leading Without Leading. I started it last night because I downloaded it in the Kindle version to my phone, which means I could have I could jump into it immediately, even though it was bedtime. And I ended up staying up later than I really wanted to, but it was so good. There were so many awesome things in it. And one thing that really stood out to me, there's a lot actually, but one thing that I can think of off the top of my mind right now is the idea of copying, right? A lot of times we want to learn from the best in the game. We want to see what they're doing, learn from that, pick up on, you know, some great stuff. And I'm all for that. I think that's smart. I think why reinvent why reinvent the wheel, right? Go observe somebody who's already achieving what you want to achieve, already doing the things that you want to do, already at a level that you want to aspire to. Check out, watch, observe, you know, ask questions if you can, learn everything you can about it right? But you can't just copycat it. You can't just look at it, see what's being done and think that you can just apply that to your situation, to your life, to your team, to your family and think that it's going to work out exactly the same. It's not. You're not them. You can't just copy and think it's going to work for you. You can't just see what they're doing, copy and think that you can apply it exactly like that and it's going to work because the thing about success and excellence is that there are some core concepts right there are like principles that are underneath that yes and if you take that and apply it yeah I do think it's going to work but what you're seeing a lot of times is the execution of the principle or the execution of the core concept and if you don't understand why they're doing it why it's working for them why it works for their team and their personnel you don't understand the why behind it it's not going to work. You can't just take the surface stuff and apply the surface stuff and you don't have the root of it in place, right? And it's much more valuable if you can figure out the why. Why is that working? How come they're doing that? 
Why, why does that benefit them? If you understand the why, the root of it, and take that and then apply it in your own way to your life, to your team, to your situation, to your family, then it'll be a lot more successful because the actual execution of those principles might be different for you than it is for them, but you're still executing on the same core concept and the core principle. See what I'm saying? So like, for example... Um, gosh, it's hard for me to think of an example, but some people talk about like, okay, no, um, no phones, no devices at dinner, right? Because they want actual human interaction and communication, right? And so if the core concept is, um, deep relationships right genuine connection deeper connections with other human beings and especially when you're within your family within your relationships and so that's why we're putting the phone aside for dinner time so that we can have face-to-face conversations right but like say another family is trying to you know they're like okay these guys got great relationships they don't use their devices during dinner time but what if your family is different because you can't all be together at dinner time what if your schedules just the logistics don't allow for that and so sometimes you're used you usually have a device at the table because the family members who are missing may call in during that time that may be the time when they can check in with you of course you're going to want to have the phone and the device and use it during that time if that's the only time that someone who is in your family who is an important relationship and they're at work or they're at college and their time they've got a time difference and so on and so forth and if you just stick to the rule of no devices at dinner time because it doesn't foster deep connections and build our relationships you're missing the point right so you can't just take the surface level rule or action that you see being done put aside devices during dinner time and apply it across the board to everyone because everybody's situation is different if your kid just went off to college and they're you know three hours behind you and the best time for them to call you is between school and practice and that happens to be at your dinner time but you have this rule that no devices during dinner time because we want to you know that's what this other family does and they've got great relationships you're not understanding like the core concept behind it the core concept behind it is we want to have as many genuine interactions and connections as possible but now if you have a circumstance that doesn't allow that to happen in the same way that their family can do it then you have to make adjustments so you can't just take the action that's being done the surface level strategy or you know um, choice that you see being made not understand what's behind that you know, why they do it, why it's working, and apply it exactly to your situation, you've got to take the foundational principle, the core concept behind it, the why underneath it all, the root of the issue, got to really understand that and apply that. The execution is going to look different from person to person, from family to family, from team to team, coach to coach, even within our own family. We have so many different people, so many different personalities that showing love and respect for each other looks different from person to person right one of my kids when they're mad they want me to get nearer they want me to come closer they're looking they need the personal connection they need me to be more present so that i can help them through what they're going through i have other children who 
when they're upset and they're angry, they need space, right? If I were to give space to the one who needed me closer or vice versa with the other one, then I wouldn't be meeting the need that was there. So actually my core concept is meet the needs. You see a need, meet the need, right? But if I just look at, okay, when a child gets upset, be closer. Or when a child gets upset, give them space. And you're only looking at the surface. You're not understanding the core concept behind it, which is see the need and meet it, right? Understand what they need and help them fill that need or get that need taken care of. Then you're going to just be, you're going to be kind of shooting. You're, it's going to be a lot of trial and error, right? And sometimes it's still trial and error. But if you're just looking at the surface level, that's why it's hard for me to have parents ask, well, what do I do when this happens? What do I do when that happens? The true answer is it kind of depends. There's a lot more that needs to be understood before I could give you a specific answer. That's just like somebody coming in going, hey, what bat should my kid use? She's 10. I don't know. There's so many other variables. There's so many other... One, one bat for this 10-year-old is not going to be the same best bat for the next 10-year-old, even if they are the same size. They could be the same size, the same height, the same everything else, but they still might not use the same bat, right? So you can't just look at that piece and then apply it like, well, she's 10, she's your size, she uses this bat, you should use that bat too. No, 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 no. There's more to it than that, right? So... It's difficult when coaches or parents or players come like, well, when this happens, what do I do? When this happens, what should I do? I mean, yes, is sometimes there's a textbook answer. And sometimes that textbook answer applies. But it's still good to understand why the textbook answer is valid in that situation. And what other things could be options if certain circumstances were a little bit different. So a lot of times we're giving blanket advice for things that are not blanket situations, right? Like on Facebook the other day, they were talking about what do you think of the take a strike advice? And people are like, that's the worst advice ever. And it's like, look, as a blanket, yeah, you're, you don't want that to be the advice you give every single hitter. But is it a valid strategy in certain circumstances? I think it is. Maybe not everybody agrees with me, but I really do think it is a valid strategy to take pitches instead of swing at the very first one that looks good to you. In many, many cases, we're swinging at the first pitch. We want to be aggressive and we want to attack the good pitch when we see one, right? But there are some situations in which we do want to take pitches. Now, would I say you've got to take pitches as... A blanket advice for every single person no right so it's that same concept to where in some circumstances these are good strategies in some other circumstances the opposite is the best strategy and you've got to know more than just what's on the surface do or don't to really make a good assessment and a good decision in each unique experience and so one of the best things that parents and coaches and I guess even players can learn to do is it's it's good to learn, right? It's good to have knowledge about what to do when. But at the same time, you have to be able to look at what is happening right now and make an assessment about this moment. Because sometimes what works most times isn't what's going to work right now. Sometimes what's been working for the past six months isn't what's going to work right now because people are always changing and we're dealing with people, right? And even from day to day, 
we don't always feel exactly the same every single day. Sometimes I'm more tired. Sometimes I'm more energized. Sometimes I'm more like motivated. Sometimes I need more rest. We as individuals are not even the same day from one day to the next. Sometimes not even from the morning to the night, right? We're not always like in the morning, hey, somebody acts, you know, says something silly, we can ignore it. By night, we're already tired. We haven't eaten dinner. We're getting hangry. Somebody says something. Now we're snapping, right? From morning to night, sometimes we're not exactly the same. So it's always helpful to be able to really be present and look at what is going on right now, what is needed right now, and then be able to make an assessment and make a decision for this moment. Yes, the knowledge is good, the textbook knowledge, the general knowledge, but so many people get frustrated when they're like, this has been working for the past three months and I don't know, nothing changed. Why isn't it working? Well, nothing changed except the human being that you're talking about, that you're working with right now. So remember that, yes, it's good to learn different things, what to do, when to do it, how to do it, but it's such a valuable skill to be able to make an assessment and to really see, but what's going on right now? What is this person needing in this moment, at this time, on this day, and how can we help them address that? How can we best help them right now, right? One girl being nervous before the game in the beginning of the season versus nervous in the game before the game at the end of the season might be two totally different reasons why she's feeling that way from the beginning of the season to toward the end of the season. And you can't just tell her the same thing or treat her the same way that you did in the beginning because she might have a different reason why she's nervous. So yes, it takes more time to figure it out in the moment to actually get to know the players and not just go okay nervous this is the action this player she's feeling feeling nervous here's the solution and that's what we're going to use all the time forever it would be so much easier if that if that's how it would work best Um, and you could do that and it would save you a lot of time but it's probably not going to be most effective and if you really want to be the absolute best and help the players and the kids that you have and work with the most that you can, then get used to the idea that it's going to take a little more time and it's going to take a little more effort on your part, but it's so worth it. All right, that's about all I have for you today. Happy Friday, have a great weekend, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.